Today we talk about the Illinois Fighting Illini, but we have to, absolutely have to talk about Oregon and Washington. The Big Ten just got a little bit bigger. Hey, you are no locked on happens, Golden no Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota uh, Golden out, Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. You're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant, here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. We're going to cover our behind enemy lines, covering the next opponent on our list with the Illinois Fighting Illini, but we have to. Absolutely have to. It would be a shame if we didn't talk about Oregon and Washington joining the Big Ten, the pros and the cons of it all. And what does it mean for Minnesota moving forward as well? I've heard a little bit of skepticism, a little bit of worry, and we'll address it on it a little bit today. So be sure to hit subscribe over on YouTube so you don't miss any further content. And follow wherever you get the podcast at Lockdown Golden Gophers. Leave a five-star review so others can find the show. But let's dive in. Let's talk about the latest and greatest news, which is Oregon and Washington are joining the Big Ten. It's not a up in the air. It's not a hypothetical. The deal is done. The deed is done. The papers are signed. The vote has happened. Oregon and Washington are coming to the Big Ten, and it is happening Right away in 2024, the same time that UCLA and USC come this way, Washington and Oregon will be headed that way too. Now, when you're talking about it happening right away, they're not going to have a 16-team era of the Big Ten anymore. It's jumping straight to 18-team teams starting in 2024. What are the pros and what are the cons of this addition? Well, the pros, in my opinion, just from the jump off the top of my head, is that it brings more top-notch competition to the Big Ten. Now, we've heard over and over from those folks down south that the SEC is the best conference and blah, 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 Georgia, Bama, so many championships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear it all. We have the competition here in the Big Ten, and we have the top-tier teams in the Big Ten along with some heavy competitors, some hard hitters, but we never get that credit where it's due. Well, adding a USC, adding a UCLA, adding an Oregon, adding a Washington, that's going to bring some more prestige to the conference. It's going to bring more competition to the conference, more double-digit win teams to the conference to scrap it out. And that should help not only the teams in the current conference, but the conference standing alone. So that's definitely a positive to the additions. Now, both schools were ranked last season. Uh, one of them was finished the season as eighth in the Washington Huskies and then 15th for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Washington finished 11 and two and Oregon finished 10 and three. So both of them had those double digit win seasons that we're talking about. They also had two quarterbacks that could have been in the Heisman conversation had their teams maybe lost one less game or they had just a little bit more on the statistical side. But both those quarterbacks were some of the best in the nation and they're returning for the 23 season. So they'll likely still have the success, the prestige and that high caliber quarterback play in this upcoming season. Now, what it also is for a pros is it brings more versatility and schemes to the Big Ten. Now, the Big Ten has always been seen as that ground and pound, nitty gritty, winter games, playing, uh, you need to have big O-line, big D-line, win in the trenches and get down and dirty. 
The only teams that maybe have pulled away from that a little bit is Ohio State, who maybe airs the ball out a little bit more than the others, but they still hold their own in the ground and pound. They still hold their own in that offensive line play, defensive line play. So they still have been a staple Big Ten team, regardless of the passing success. But now you're bringing in a USC who likes to air the ball out. You're bringing in a Washington team that likes to air the ball out. Wisconsin is switching to an air raid type offense. Purdue is bringing in an offensive coordinator who likes to pass the ball. Things are changing a little bit here in the Big Ten, and that could be good for competition, but it also could be good for adjustments by these coaches that need to continue to lift their programs to the next tier, to the next step, to keep their programs relevant in a bigger and better conference. So the versatility in schemes is going to need more uh, in-depth breakdowns, more game planning. And that is where it will come into play of having more elite coordinators like a Joe Rossi, who has been fantastic at scheming in the middle of games and adjusting and making the adjustments to keep the Gophers defense relevant. And then the top 10, top 15 over the past two years, that could be an advantage for the Gophers heading into 2024, as long as Joe Rossi stays here and stays in town, in Dinky Town. So that's something that could be uh, of use of an advantage for the Gophers, but overall that versatility is definitely a pro. And then finally, you're bringing in playoff caliber programs playoff caliber pedigrees. Both these teams coming in in Oregon and in Washington have been to the college football playoff. They've played in big environments, big atmospheres. So that's only going to help the conference as a whole, especially as we hit the 12 team playoffs, which will be here before we know it. So those are the pros, but what are the cons to this decision? Well, the old big 10 is dead and gone. For all the fans that loved the regional alignment and loved having it be a Midwest thing and just that was the staple, those days are completely gone. Now, it expanded a little bit when we got some of the East Coast teams in there. We got Rutgers, Maryland, and those teams starting to come over, but it still felt like the Big Ten. It still was regionally just a little bit extended to the East. Well, now we've got four West Coast teams way out there. We've got those teams on the East. It's all over the country. There's still talks about Florida State and what's going to happen with different teams. And regional football for college football is gone. It's dead and gone. The old Big Ten is dead and gone. And that's going to hit a lot of fans uh, hard. They're not going to like it. And you know what? I can't blame them because college football as a whole is really starting to change and shift and I'm not necessarily sure I love where it's going in the direction it's headed, but we're going to sit back, we're going to relax, and we're going to find out. We're going to adjust to it and see how it all goes. Another con is more complexity with the travel. Now, maybe not for football because you know you're probably playing on a Saturday. Every once in a while you get a Thursday game, or but you're usually playing on Saturdays, and so it's not as big the travel hall. It's usually on a weekend or it's later in the week and so on and so forth. But for the other sports, for the volleyballs, for the basketballs that play in the middle of this week, when they play multiple games in a single week, that is going to be harder for travel and things like that. Now, now that you have four teams on the West Coast, as opposed to just UCLA and USC, I always stutter on the USC for some reason, but as opposed to just having those two West Coast teams, now you have four. So maybe you can make more of a trip about it when you're traveling to the west coast for those teams maybe it can you can knock out two to three of them at a time and so it's not as burdensome we'll find out the big 10 has a lot of things that they're going to have to figure out but 
It's happening, whether we like it or not. And the final con that I will say is the flex protect schedule that came out for the 24 and 25 seasons is gone. It's scrapped. Now, will they make slight adjustments and still keep some of the concepts of it? Probably, but the actual schedule that went out that we looked at and we broke down and we talked about, you know, 2024 could be a building year. 2025 looks like a big year for the Gophers to try and make a name for themselves. It's not going to be the same. It's not. And you're going to have to add a Washington and an Oregon opponents. You're going to have to shake up things. Maybe some rivalries get shook up. It's having to change a lot of things that people were slowly getting settled into. It's a lot of change. Now, all in all, iron sharpens iron. So from a competition standpoint, I'm here for it. We can see how the teams will adjust and keep climbing to the top. We can see how the Big Ten West teams that constantly get crapped on and don't get enough credit, see how they showcase against these top performing pack schools. And because I don't really see the USC's, the UCLA's, the Oregon's, the Washington's, I don't see them blowing Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota out of the water. I think those will be scrappy games. I think those will be closer contention games. And a lot of people might listen to me say that and be like, whoa, you're way off base. The Big Ten West stinks, blah, blah, blah. Look, Wait for it. Wait for it. Because the Big Ten West gets a lot of flack, but I think those top tier teams in there, even the Illinois at times when they have this defense that they had last year and carrying over to this year, which we're going to talk about later in the show, that defense can hang with these folks. That defense can hang around with those teams. So I think it's going to give more respect to some of the middling teams like your Iowa's, like your Minnesota's, like your Illinois that don't always get the credit where they should. So overall, I think this could be fun. It could be interesting. I think there will be more dogfights and more battle games from more competitive matchups as we go, but it's all going to play itself out. Now, in that sense, it may give more credit where credit is due for the schools that are slept on. Only time will tell. But for the sport of college football, my immediate thoughts are this. The college space is trying to move a bit too fast for the sake of cash. That's all it is. They don't figure out, if they don't figure out the stability of college football, then the college football that we know and we love is going to fall apart before we know it. That's kind of where my thoughts are going right now. Not because it looks like we're probably moving to a power two or power three of conferences, but because there are massive shifts happening of the conferences and they're poaching teams for money on top of that, not just that, but you've got the opening of the portal and it has so much open access and athletes getting stuck and lost in the portal. You've got NIL with no restrictions, no caps, no structure to it all. All I'm saying is that we have to be able to create a stable nature to this or it is eventually going to burn programs to the ground. If we can't find some stability and some sense to college football, then the college football game that we've all known and loved is going to fall apart. It's going to create a landscape where eventually high school players, maybe they're going to be looking at pro teams and semi-pro teams because if the NCAA turns into a pay for play and they're just, it's all about the money when it comes to college football, then you're going to see the XFLs, the USFLs, the CFLs be like, look, we're in the same space. We're paying these guys and we don't have the NFL money, but we're still paying. So why can't we take some of these high school prospects? Why can't we grow these athletes into pros or semi-pros and eventually you might run into minor leagues for NFL teams that is what it looks like we are headed to now maybe that'll be 15 years from now but 
we need some some structure. It's a fine line that we are walking. And I'm not saying don't pay college athletes. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying transfers shouldn't be allowed because they should. All I'm saying is college football needs some stability before these seismic changes become too overwhelming. And they need to find that stability fast. So that's going to cover it for us on the Oregon and Washington talk for now. I'm sure we'll dive into it again, but we're going to move back to covering our behind the enemy lines, talking about teams on the Gophers schedule. And one team that's simply not getting enough credit, in my opinion, is Illinois and the Fighting Illini. What is changing for them? We're diving in next. And can Minnesota finally beat Coach Brett Bielema? Bielema, I always say his name wrong, and crew. First, let's talk to you about our friends over at LinkedIn. That's right. If you are a small business and you're thinking about hiring, it can be overwhelming. Not anymore. You can post about your job for free over at LinkedIn.com slash college, and they'll help you get to the right candidates and the right qualifications even faster. It takes stress off your plate. It opens up to your entire network because you put a purple hiring frame on your profile picture so others in your network can see it and they can suggest people for your position as well. They've also got simple tools like screening questions to help you get to the right candidates faster. So go to linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post about your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, Gophers fans, let's jump in on the week nine opponent and actually, uh, it might be week 10. I'm, I'm getting lost in the bye weeks now, but regardless, the next opponent we have for our talks is the Illinois Fighting Illini head coach, Brett Bielema. Um, he is heading into year four. He has found success with Wisconsin when he coached there for 2006 to 2012. He went 68 and 24 in his time there, led the three straight Rose Bowls. Now, they didn't get some win or they didn't get very many wins in those Rose Bowls, but regardless, he has been turning around the Illinois program very quickly. They had an eight-win season last year in his second full season as the coach as the, of the Fighting Illini. Uh, second full season, he had the COVID season to start too. But regardless, prior to that last year with eight wins, Illinois hadn't won eight or more games since 2007. So he's made some great hires. His defensive coordinator leaves the program to go on to be a head coach at Purdue, a Power 5 first head coach opportunity. So that tells you the caliber of these hires that he's been making. Now, the offensive coordinator is still Barry Looney Jr. And he is in his second year as offensive coordinator and QB coach. The offense may not have been the bread and butter for Illinois last year, but it held its own 72nd total offense, which is in the middle of the group. But overall, the rushing offense, 55th in the nation, but they had the fourth highest rusher in the nation. He had the fourth, fourth most rushing yards in the entire country in Chase Brown. It will likely be a middling offense again in 2023, but the issue, it won't be an issue for the Illinois fighting Illini. The defensive coordinator is new, but he still was with the program prior to stepping into this new role. First season as the defensive coordinator, but he was the defensive backs coach for the past two years. He is an up-and-coming young coach that has some, some shine to him. In 2022, he was the football scoop defensive backs coach of the year. He was the youngest coordinator in the Big Ten who took over for Illinois in the ReliQuest Bowl game last year. And if he can, ten, can, if he can continue to work his magic with the defensive backs, I think he'll get a lot more credit because that could be a weak spot for Illinois. 
this upcoming season. If he can work that magic and make them up to that caliber that we saw last year, then their defense is going to be a force once again. Now you look at the impact transfers coming in. You've got Clayton Bush from Southern Illinois, uh, Demetrius Hill from FIU, and then you've also got Nick Nicario Harper from Louisville. All three of them are safeties coming in from the transfer portal. Safety is a big thing as the Fighting Illini lost both of their starting safeties to the NFL, and they played over 700 snaps each. So there wasn't a lot of snaps at the safety position outside of their starters. So they have three guys coming in from the portal on top of Luke Altmaier coming in from the portal as quarterback from Ole Miss. And then they've got uh, O-lineman from uh, Hutchinson Community College, Desmond Schuster, who will likely put his name into the competition for a starting center position. So let's talk about the offense first. The quarterback, Luke Altmaier, he's transferring in from Ole Miss. He worked with Lane Kiffin out there. Now he was a highly regarded, highly talented four-star quarterback recruit from the class of 2021. He, One thing that stood out to me with him and his recruiting profile was that he was seen as very controlled, an accurate passer, and he plays with command in the intermediate game. That sounds exactly like the style of offense that Illinois put forth last season. So if he can follow the system and do as he is asked at Illinois, I think he's going to thrive and succeed for multiple years for the fighting Illini. Now he has the upside to be better than Tommy DeVito, in my opinion, and Tommy DeVito led this offense very well. So the quarterback could be seen as an upgrade from last year, but it is still to be determined. You flip to the running back and there's no getting past it. There's no Chase Brown on this roster and replacing him just isn't going to happen. Just like there's no Mo Ibrahim for the Gophers and replacing him just by one player is not going to happen. Now, Minnesota had guys waiting in the room and Zach Evans, they've got the true freshman coming in and Darius Taylor and they brought in an impact transfer in Sean Tyler, whereas Illinois is kind of going more with who they had in the room behind him. Now, could that work out? Sure, but I don't see the same type of upside for the running back room. So they've got Josh McCray and Reggie Love. They'll probably be more of a tandem situation at running back. Last year, Love was the backup. He ran for 332 yards and two touchdowns on 72 attempts. And McCray was injured last year, but he played in 2021 as the main backup, where he had 549 yards and two touchdowns. The two of them will be suffisable, but until... Illinois can find their next great running back. The running back room is probably going to take a step back in this upcoming season. Now, when we flip to wide receivers, Illinois has their top three receivers all coming back from last year. And like I said, Altmaier might be a better quarterback to capitalize more with those wide receiving options. So Isaiah Williams is an NFL caliber player, in my opinion. He had 82 receptions, 743 yards, and five touchdowns last year. He has the field IQ. He is a former quarterback, played quarterback for Illinois in the 2020 season, and he's been getting it done. I think he's going to be their leading guy once again. Then you've got Pat Bryant back. He had 449 yards and two touchdowns last year, and Casey Washington, the third option, 301 yards last year. Truth is, if Illinois' offense is still a threat with just light less Upside on the running game, they can still be a problem for teams in the entire conference. And I also want to give a shout to Malik Elzey. He's a true freshman coming in, but I think that boy has some talent. So they've got another one coming in the wings. Offensive line, it could be a strength for Illinois big time. They lost two starters in Pilstrom, the center, and Pil. Polzuski, I'm going to mess up these names, man. That is not my forte. If you've heard one of our shows by now, you know it, but we're just going to run with it. But he was the right tackle. Those two are gone. 
but they have three starters returning. They've got Isaiah Adams, who played 962 snaps with a 75.5 PFF grade. Julian Pearl is coming back at the left tackle, so both the left side of the line is returning. And then you've got Zy Chrysler at the right guard, 766 snaps started last season. They've got those three coming back. Plus the addition of a JUCO, like I said, transfer. He was the number one ranked offensive lineman in JUCO rankings, 19th in the nation for JUCO rankings, and he will likely start at center for this team. So the offensive line looks like it will hold its own. But then we look at the defense, and that's the biggest thing for this Illinois team. Defense, they were third in the nation in total defense last year, 10th in the nation in run defense, 8th in the nation in pass defense, first in the nation in scoring defense, and first in the nation in turnovers gained with 32 turnovers gained. Gained. So, yes, they lost some big names. Devin Witherspoon, Sidney Brown, Jartavius Martin, Dark Angelo, Calvin Avery. All those guys are off to the NFL. Five starters plus two rotational guys all gone. But that being said, they have six retur starting returners coming back, two of them being some of the best defensive linemen in the country. And I think Jerzon Newton is the best defensive lineman in the entire nation. He had a 91.5 PFF grade last year. He had 59 total tackles, 28 solo tackles, five and a half sacks, and two fumble recoveries. And that was a slight improvement from his year prior to that, where he was still above 50 tackles, still had a bunch of sacks. This dude is a dog, and he is the best in the country, hands down, in my opinion, from the defensive line perspective. You pair him with Keith Randolph, who is also back, graded out as a 79.0 PFF, 53 tackles, 24 solo with four and a half sacks and an interception. Those two are a terrible duo, a terrible twosome on the defensive line. They've got some power there. Plus, they've got a, a Tariq Barnes as a linebacker, giving that front seven a nasty core. He had 46 tackles, 36 solo with one and a half sacks and two PBUs last year. You've got that plus the edge. The edge is returning as well. So this is why Illinois is rated as one of the best returning front sevens in the entire country. You've got Jerzon Newton, you've got Keith Randolph, Tariq Barnes as a linebacker, and then Seth Coleman and Gabe Jackis are both coming back from the edge. Both had over 35 tackles each last year. Both had over four sacks last year. That is a nasty force on the defense. So the only real worry you have with this Illinois defense is the DBs and the cornerbacks. Now they've got Tavion Nicholson coming back. He is a cornerback. He had six pass packs pass breakups with 19 total tackles and an interception so he will be a key guy on that cornerback side for them and a young guy to keep in mind is Tyler Strain he played a little bit towards the end of last year graded out with an 82.1 grade with PFF but he had 14 total tackles two interceptions and three pass breakups and he really only played in four of the final five games so he is definitely an up-and-coming guy in that cornerback room but the safeties is the huge question mark for this Illinois team. Now, Minnesota has struggled with Illinois in both years with Coach Bielema at the helm. So can Minnesota shake it off for round three? Can they get a win at home versus Illinois? We're going to dive into the make or break coming up next. First, I got to talk to you about our friends over at eBay Motors because they are the spot to be when it comes to keeping your vehicle in tip-top shape. If anything goes wrong, they've got you covered with parts. Every part needs to fit just right, and eBay Motors has you covered there with over 122 million parts. All you have to do is add your vehicle to the garage on their website, and eBay has a guaranteed fit. So if you see the part and it has a green check next to it, that means it is going to fit for your vehicle or your money is guaranteed back. Money 
money back guarantee. Absolutely love it. If it's free, it's me. Well, it's not free because you're paying for it, but you're guaranteed that it'll be fit. And that is the biggest thing here. So get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices at ebaymotors.com ebay motors guaranteed fit is only for u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply all right covers fans we're wrapping this one up with a make or break the strengths and weaknesses of illinois and when it comes to minnesota playing illinois at huntington bank stadium the make or break is simply this in my eyes passing is going to be everything versus the illinois defense the quarterback might be under a ton of pressure with that nasty front seven that we talked about. The defensive line is going to give problems, but you have to capitalize on Ethan Kaliak Manis's mobility. You have to get Ethan outside of the pocket on PA looks. You have to get him in the quick, quick reads, quick screens. Use Elijah Spencer's separation and quick release to our advantage. Minnesota is going to have to get it done through the air but maybe quicker routes, shorter routes. I'm talking screen games, tight end screens, running back screens. Use Hoskins in there to get the ball out of his hands quickly and get the short yardage. In the end, Minnesota is going to have to get it done through the air, in my opinion. But to break the trend, you have to do it. You have to take what is there for taking. So that means being being accepting of taking shorter routes, of doing the checkdowns when they're present, but moving the ball quickly so that defensive line can't absolutely obliterate you. Now, the strengths of Illinois is obviously a head coach who has been through major change before, and he always finds the best in his team. Luke Altmeyer might have more upside than Danny DeVito, so that could be a strength here. And the defense returning six starters and possibly the best front seven in the nation, including maybe the best defensive lineman in the nation. That's definitely a strength of theirs. But the weaknesses are that the safeties in general are a major question mark. So there could be the opportunity for some big plays, for some explosion plays over the top with these safeties. On top of that, the cornerback depth, they might have one or two guys that have experience and have shown that they can hold their own. But how deep does it go? Because the Gophers have four, five, six different pass catching options that can really prove and show forth. So we should be able to maybe find some openings and exploit some weaknesses with the depth of the secondary. And then you've got the defensive coordinator leaving. We'll see how big of a factor that is. But the biggest weakness, in my opinion right now, is that running back room and just not knowing how big of a drop-off it will be from Chase Brown. That's what I've got for us. I think Illinois and Minnesota is going to be an absolute slugfest. It's going to be a big-time matchup. We'll see what happens. But we're going to talk about another Gophers opponent tomorrow in Purdue. I hope to see you there. And it won't be tomorrow. I'm speaking. This is Friday. So I will see you on Monday. Tomorrow, though, is the Gophers open practice with the fans at Huntington Bank Stadium at 7 p.m. Be there or be square. Definitely go out there. Cheer on your Gophers. See them for free. Bring the family. Bring the friends. Bring the kids. And have a good time with Gophers Nation. That will do it for us today at Lockdown Golden Gophers. I will see you next week. Row the boat, Sky Yuma, go Gophers. And as always, don't forget to subscribe.